So this year, uh, Jocelyn got uh, a wagon for Christmas uh, from one of her grandparents. And they've come a long way, because like back, back like when I was a kid, the, the radio flyer, the red wagon, it was basically this tin box uh, with wheels on it and a handle. And, you know, it, it would move downhill pretty quick, not, not safely, but quickly. And now, so we got this, this radio flyer wagon. Um, it's collapsible. It has brakes. It has a canopy. It has this handle to, like, pull it, but also a handle to push it if you want. Um, one of the sides actually like folds down to make a bench so that if we're like at a parade, we can fold down a side and Jocelyn can sit there and watch the parade. I mean, it's got all these cool features. But I also had like the whole first time rite of passage because it came in a box, not assembled. And so, you know, open it up and I mean, you know, there's 400 pieces uh, and it came with directions. Uh, which was really cool. So I did exactly what I was supposed to. I didn't even open the directions, just kind of tossed them off to the side and started plowing ahead, right? Because that's, that's all you got to do. So I got partway through and um, Lori came over and she was like, you know, she handed a piece to me. She's like, hey, here you go. And I looked at it and I was like, I don't know what the heck this is. I mean, I was looking, I was looking at the wagon and I was like, I have no idea where this would go or how it would fit. Um, so then I'm um, kind of embarrassed to admit this, but I went ahead, cracked the plastic on the instruction manual. Um, surprising truth about those. If you read them, they're more helpful than if you just toss them to the side. So, open it up, found out that this thing is actually a hubcap. This wagon comes with hubcaps. So, put hubcaps on, and since I had it open, uh, I went ahead and was like, well, what the heck, might as well make sure I have it set up right. So there were 28 steps to get this wagon put together. Got it put together, and uh, you know it's it's still it's it's been winter. It hasn't felt like it, but it's been winter, so we haven't used it very much. It's there, ready to go. Uh, but but hubcaps just cracked me up because what wagon has hubcaps? But these do, and I would not have known it without the instruction manual. So the truth there is something that you know all of us, especially guys, I think resonate with. Yeah, instructions. Who needs those? I mean, I'm. I sometimes even get a little embarrassed when I pull up the GPS on my phone. Even if it's somewhere I've never been before and I'm not expected to know how to get there, there's just something in me that's like, I don't need directions. So I was thinking about that. So we're getting ready to start our You Asked For It series. We're going to start that next week. And uh, that's that pillar in the lobby. And, you know, we got post-it notes there. And that is for any question that you might have about Scripture, about life, about Christianity. Just put it up there, and we're going to try and answer about four or five of those every week for three weeks, uh, where it's you know those things that you know maybe you've wondered, but you've just never heard talked about at church. We're going to try and, and knock out a bunch of those, but we can't talk about that and answer those well unless we have a conversation about Scripture. And so today, we're going to talk a little bit about Scripture. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you can open up to Psalm 119. Um, that's where we're going to spend uh, the most time today. But Scripture, man, is so many things. Uh, but to be honest, a lot of us treat it kind of like we do instruction manuals for putting toys together. Like we have it, we know where it is, uh, but it's a lot more helpful if we actually crack the cover. And so let me, let me start with this passage from Paul. The Apostle Paul, he was writing to the church in Ephesus, and he wrote them two letters, 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. So he actually wrote Timothy, but Timothy was leading that church there. So he gets to 2 Timothy 3. And he says this about Scripture. He says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, 
for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. All right, that is the end game. I mean, like, if, if we could get there, like, in this life, if we could get to the point where we are equipped for every good work, man, we will be in a good spot. Then we're in the spot where Paul's at. You know, Jesus, after spending three years with his disciples, they still had to grow. But if we get to the part where Scripture forms us enough that we're equipped for every good work, man, we are going to be those ambassadors for Jesus that we want to be. If you have your bulletins, flip to the back side. Uh, we have some blanks, but these are, we're going to go through about the first five of them real quick. Then we're going to read part of Psalm 119. So this is the, the first truth. And, and we want to talk about Scripture because every answer for you asked for it is going to be a Bible-based answer. And, and, and honestly, Scripture is, is God's guide for life. That's, that's not a blank. That's just a truth. We'll get to the blanks here in a second. Uh, but Scripture is God's guide for life. And there are some things in Scripture that are absolutely crystal clear. You know, I mean, we, we, we look and, and someone comes up to me and asks the question, hey, is it okay if I don't like a guy if I just go kill him? Now, I can look at Scripture and we can get that answer pretty easy, right? I mean, we know Scripture says a number of different places, you know, thou shalt not murder, one of the Ten Commandments. There are some things that are really easy. There are some answers that are a little bit tougher. I mean, we, we have things that, that we face all the time when, when we're talking about everything from relationships uh, to marriage to, to cultural issues that we're talking about that are a little bit different than they were in Bible times. And that doesn't mean the principles of Scripture are any different. But that does mean that it takes a little bit more digging for us. And so let's build a foundation of Scripture. And uh, that's one of the things that I was talking with elders about Monday night, but that for me is just kind of a, a renewed commitment for 2021. It's just, just a, a, an attempt in everything I do to just simply go back to Scripture and figure out what Scripture teaches. So this is the first blank. Is scripture is God's revealed truth for the world. And really, like, we got to get here before we go anywhere else. Because either Scripture is God's Word or it's not. And we don't have time today to unpack all the historical reasons that Scripture has proved true uh, and, and all the different theological and all the different literary reasons that, that we can look back scholarly and academically and say, hey, like, Scripture matches up and proves itself true over and over again. Instead, we're just going to start with that assumption. If, if you're here today and you just find yourself a skeptic and saying, hey, I've always just kind of struggled with the idea that Scripture is God's Word, uh, then come talk to me. Let's have a conversation about that. Because the cool thing is, is God's big enough that He can handle questions. God can handle our doubt. All you got to do is read the book of Psalms uh, or look at pretty much any person in the Old Testament that's lifted up as this strong Christian example. Every one of them wrestled at different times with their belief, with doubt, with questions about God. And, and that's okay. What's not okay is to have questions or wrestle and just sit there and never try and answer those. Because God is absolutely big enough to handle any questions that we have. And Scripture has withstood the test of time and, and the, the theological test, the spiritual test. Scripture is God's revealed truth for the word, or for the world. Excuse me. And by that, Scripture is also absolute truth. Truth is this thing that, that in today's culture has kind of become, it seems almost tougher to pin down because people talk about, well, that's true for me, but not true for you. And, and here's the deal. 
Opinions are subjective. You and I may look at the same picture and have different ideas. I remember I was in Paris once uh, with my parents. I had the opportunity to go, and we were at the Louvre, and, and we looked at the Mona Lisa, which is one of the most famous paintings of all time. And my mom loves art, and she just stood there for just, just what felt like hours, I think it was minutes, just drinking in this painting and talking about how beautiful it was. And I looked at it, and I was like, I mean, it's a lady not smiling at anything. I mean, eh. And we look at that, and we had different opinions, and that's okay. Opinions can be subject, subjective. Truth is not subjective. Scripture is God's revealed truth. And the truth about Scripture is that we don't have to always feel good about Scripture. In fact, Scripture ought to make us uncomfortable sometimes. But that doesn't change that Scripture is true. Scripture doesn't become any less true because I don't like it, or because it makes me feel bad, or because I wish it were different. Scripture is still Scripture, is God's revealed truth. And, and really, everything we do at First Christian Church is built on that. And our mission statement is we turn lost people into sold-out followers of Jesus. And the way we do that is straight out of Scripture. And so the very foundation of everything that we talk about starts with the idea that Scripture is God's revealed truth for the world. The second one is this. Scripture is God's revealed truth, but Scripture is not God. We don't worship Scripture but Scripture shows us the God that we do worship. So, so God's Word, the Bible, there, there's nothing... So this, this is not God, right? We, we don't worship Scripture, but Scripture is God's divine-inspired Word. And Scripture shows us the God that we do worship. So Scripture is... You know, I've, I've heard Scripture described as this love story between God and people. And I think that's a good way to describe it. And Scripture is this, this beautiful... Um, compilation of 66 different books, 66, uh, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament, written over a period of about 1,500 years uh, by approximately 40 different authors. And Scripture is, is the story of a God who created a perfect world and then people who were given the, or given the choice to keep that world perfect or not and people chose poorly, and then a God who loved people enough that he was, doing, he was willing to do whatever it took to make things right. So he sent his only son, who became human, allowed himself to be put to death, and then raised from the dead. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We don't worship Scripture, but Scripture is shows us the God we do worship. Number three is this. If Scripture is truly God's Word, it must be the rule for my life. Uh, rule, uh, another word we could put there is standard. It must be kind of the measuring stick that I measure my life against. And, and there's, there's an assumption there, because if Scripture is truly God's Word, and if I truly want to follow God, then Scripture better be the standard that I run my life on. You know what? It... In, in today's day where, where it seems like our culture uh, tries to kind of shift truth, and, and you know, I can't tell you how many times I hear the phrase, well, that, that might be true for you, but it's not true for me, or I just want to be true to myself, or it's important for me to be authentic, or you know what, uh, I've talked to someone who was like, yeah, I know Scripture says this, but I really think God just wants me to be happy. 
And I know that that runs against Scripture, but God truly wants me to be happy. And here's the deal. If Scripture is truly God's Word, then it better be the standard for my life, whether I like it or not. And so if Scripture is truly God's Word, then everything I do, I better be okay with measuring that up against Scripture. And the truth of that, again, is that every time we measure ourselves up, we we realize we're not perfect. And that shouldn't surprise us because Scripture says that, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We also read in 1 John 1.9 that if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just, He'll forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so we measure ourselves against the standard of Scripture. The next truth is this. If Scripture is truly God's Word, I better pay attention to all of it. And so we can't cherry-pick verses we like. You know, if, if I have an issue with pride, I can't only talk about not killing people because I, I have, I've never killed anyone and that's not really a big temptation for me right now. Um, but if all I do is talk about that, but I don't want to talk about 1 Peter 5 that says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. That's not okay. You know, for me, if, if I want to focus on you know, not lying, but I don't want to look at the minor prophets in the Old Testament that talk an awful lot about how God's people better look out for the poor and the hungry, that's not okay. Scripture is truly God's Word. I better pay attention to all of it. The fifth truth is this. And this is the one that I think can get us. Is that Scripture is useful, but only to the degree I am familiar with it. Kind of go back to that instruction manual thing. You know, like I had everything I need to put together that wagon. Uh, But if I take the instruction manual and never crack the cover of it, then even though I have the knowledge at my fingertips, if I'm not familiar with it, I'm not going to be able to answer questions. And and part of the challenge with life is, I don't know about you guys, so I, I have the Bible on my phone, so I guess technically I always have the Bible with me. But when I have somebody come up to me and ask a question, when I'm faced a decision in my life, I don't always have time to say, hey, can you just hold that for about three hours while I do some research and figure out what Scripture teaches about this? I mean, sometimes we have that option, but a lot of times we have to make decisions a little bit quicker than that. And Scripture is useful. I mean, that's what Paul says, 2 Timothy 3, that verse we read, right? Scripture is useful for all these different things. But the truth is, Scripture is only useful to the degree that I'm familiar with it. And God gave us His revealed truth. And so I'm responsible to God for what I do. And if God gave me a guide for life, but I don't take advantage of that, that doesn't mean that I'm not responsible for what I do. That just means that, that I'm kind of shooting in the dark. Um, you know, I think one of, the, one of the best analogies for Scripture is Scripture is like a flashlight. You know, if you break down at night on the highway, uh, you know, and, and, and you go pop the hood to see what's wrong with your engine, If you have a flashlight, a lot of times you can see the problem. Now the flashlight generally won't fix it for you unless you have an old beater and you just beat it enough times with the flashlight. But that's not healthy. And don't do that with Scripture, right? But a flashlight will oftentimes show you what the problem is. That's what Scripture does. Scripture doesn't fix my life. Jesus fixes my life. But Scripture shows me access to Jesus. And Scripture can sometimes show me what's broken in my life and how I need to ask God, or what actions I need to take to start to fix that in my life. Scripture is useful, but only to the degree I'm familiar with it. 
All right, so Psalm 119, longest chapter in the Bible. We're just going to read it start to finish, 176 verses. We'll be done about 3 p.m., all right? Psalm 119 is this really, really cool psalm. And towards the middle of it is this, this psalmist who is just writing about how delighted he is with God's Word. And so we're going to start reading back in, in verse 97. And uh, if, if you have time, sometime this week, just go read Psalm 119. It's this just beautiful chapter. And, and the Psalms are, uh, you know, this Old Testament poetry. And one of the cool things about the Psalms is that we go through and they're written the way poetry is with a lot of emotion. And so it's not always, you know, I tend to be more of an analytical thinker. I like things kind of lined out to make logical sense. And sometimes the Psalms drive me crazy because the Psalms are, are very artistic, very emotive, and very much, God, this is how I feel. And for me, I'm, I just, I don't really like talking about how I feel as much. I'm more, God, tell me what to do. Just give me, a, you know, one, two, three, four, what I need to do. But you get to Psalm 119, and it's the psalmist who truly is just delighting in the law of God. So let's read verse 97 and start there. This is what he writes. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever before me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. Now, real quick, we read that, and maybe at first glance, it's like, wow, that guy's kind of cocky. Um, but what's interesting is you kind of drawn a contrast between the impact of God's Word and like what would traditionally be viewed as wisdom. You know, I mean, m- most people would say, hey, the teacher is wiser than the student, and, and you know, with, with age comes wisdom. And, and the psalmist has kind of drawn a, a little bit of a contrast here because he says, I know that's what culture would teach, but God's Word trumps both those. In other words, there's a lot of wise old folks out there, but Scripture trumps that. And there's a lot of teachers with a lot of knowledge, and and God's Word uh, trumps that. So one of the lessons for us, then, is we want to find wise, old, godly people. Because old folks can be wise, but if you can find a wise, old, godly person, do not look at anybody specifically right now, okay? All right? As I kind of look in the general direction of Wes, you know? Second, Find a godly teacher, because teachers have knowledge, but godly teachers always trump teachers who don't have godly knowledge. But he's writing, he says, look, I delight in God's Word, and God's Word is even better than traditional places that you would think you would go to for learning. He says, I hold back my feet uh, from every evil way in order to keep your Word. I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. The, uh, through your precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. I love that. I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me. You know, Scripture doesn't change based on our feelings. Scripture is always true, regardless of how I feel about it. You know, I was thinking about this uh, I had a, a friend, and uh, they lost a member in their family, and uh, this person had, had just been uh, really, honestly, scared to die. Uh, you know, they, they, they were a follower of Jesus, they just had trouble understanding Jesus' truth in their, in their lives, and, and they just felt like, with everything I've done in my life, there's no way I can get into heaven. And, and, and they knew God's truth up here, but it just, it, it just somehow they were having trouble like really understanding it in their heart. 
And man, they were, they were so anxious and fearful. And, and so I was talking with a, a buddy of mine about, you know, for them, you know, they die, they get up to heaven. And just what a shock that's going to be when they really understand what grace is. You know, when Jesus is like, come in. And, and you know, they're just thinking, man, I've, I've done all this stuff. And Jesus is like, I know, but you followed me. Come in. And, and think about just that anxiety that this person had in their life and the fear they had. Scripture is true regardless of feelings. And I think the way that shows up a lot of times in our life is when we do stuff and, and we, we, we have that guilt or that shame that we carry around with us. I think that's one of the tools that, that Satan uses sometimes to convince us that, that we're somehow less than what Jesus tells us we are. If you're here today, you're struggling with guilt or shame, I just want to remind you of that passage from 1 John 1. I, I quoted it earlier, but 1 John 1.8 says this, you know, if we claim to have no sin, we're liars, because we all sin. But if we confess our sins, Jesus is faithful and just. He forgives us our sins and purifies us from all unrighteousness. And that, that's true. And sometimes it takes a little while for the truth to work its way from here to here. But just because I don't always feel it here doesn't mean that it's not true because God's Word is true all the time. Psalm 103, or sorry, 119.103, you know, he says, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. This is the next blank in your bulletin. God's word gets sweeter or more uncomfortable depending on my level of obedience. Have you ever read God's word and it just kind of kind of convicts you a little bit where you read it and you find yourself starting to squirm a little bit? You know, God's word is the standard. And if God's word is here and I'm here, I don't move God's word to meet me. That never works. I move myself to meet God's word. And God's word will become sweeter and more fulfilling in my life, or it will get more abrasive and uncomfortable based on my level of obedience. You know, Jesus, he, he was talking to the Pharisees one day, and uh, he quotes Isaiah, and he said, you know, you're always seeing but never perceiving. You're always hearing but you're never understanding. What he's saying to him is like, hey, there's a point where you, you might hear the thing and you might read God's message enough but if you keep ignoring it and keep not responding to it, sooner or later it's going to fall on deaf ears. And you're going to become kind of like Pharaoh, just so hardened to it that you're just not willing to hear or accept God's truth. And the truth is, Scripture, at least some Scripture, should make us uncomfortable. We should never get to the point where we read God's Word without being convicted in different areas. Now, that's not always going to stay the same. I mean... You know, maybe I, I wrestled with something and, and I'm reading this passage now and, and at one time it hit me with something I realized, you know what, like that's become not, not a struggle for me but, but a comfort for me now. You know, uh, we're, we're reading, you know, in my personal devos, I just read through the Sermon on the Mount. So, you know, read uh, that story about that guy who built his foundation on the sand and then on the rock. And if you're someone who's, who's built your foundation on Jesus, you read that with, with the comfort knowing that, hey, when that storm hits... My house is going to stand because my foundation is on rock. But if my foundation's not on rock, I read that story and all of a sudden I read it a little bit differently and I start thinking, man, 
I'm built on sand. What, what am I going to do when life's storm comes? God's word gets sweeter or more uncomfortable based on my level of obedience. So then the psalmist says this, and this is one of the most famous passages in all of Scripture. In 105, he says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Yeah, uh, again, just that, that whole idea of a lamp. Uh, you know, if, if you've ever gone down a path, you know, if, if you've ever been hiking or out hunting in the mountains and you're coming back after dark and you're, you're working your way down a, a path on a mountainside, uh, a light comes in awful handy. And a bright light is a heck of a lot better than a dim light, right? And I wonder for how many of us, if we're honest about Scripture, we're like, okay, if this is truly supposed to be a light for my path, man, my light has awful, awful, awful low wattage. And there's a way to fix that. I mean, the, the solution is pretty easy there. But one of the questions I, I just want us to think through today, and as we're kind of starting off 2021, is if I read that God's word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path, how much of my path is that lighting up? Because if I don't know God's word, it just can't provide much light. I mean, you know, just, just having a Bible on my bookshelf doesn't do me a whole heck of a lot of good, right? It's funny, I, I always keep a Bible in my pickup, and uh, I knew where it was before hunting season, and then I started putting all my gear in there, and I just found it like a week or two ago. I, I knew it was in there somewhere. Uh, but it didn't do me any good during hunting season uh, because I knew it was there, but I had no idea where it was, and I never cracked it open. Now, I'd, I had other Bibles. I, I, I tend to lose Bibles, so I keep a whole bunch of them. So there were other Bibles I was reading, but I wonder for us if we're honest with ourselves in saying, hey, how well lit my path based on my knowledge and familiarity with God's Word? And I would hope for all of us that we would say, you know, not quite as well lit as I would want it to be. I mean, I, I know we have some godly folks in this room who have been studying God's Word for 40, 50, 60 years or more. And, and I've, I've talked with a lot of those folks, and I know that they still study God's Word because they want to grow in that. How well is your path lit? So this is what we read. Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I have sworn an oath and confirmed it to keep your righteous rules. I am severely afflicted. Give me life, O Lord, according to your word. Accept my freewill offerings of praise, O Lord, and teach me your rules. I hold my life in my hand continually, but I do not forget your law. The wicked have laid a snare for me, but I do not stray from your precepts. Your testimonies are my heritage forever. For they are the joy of my heart. I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever to the end. I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever towards the end. Man, I love this because this message the psalmist is saying over those last three or four verses, you know, he talks about obedience. He says, God, I do what you command. I do what you command. I do what you command. The, the, the wicked, they lay a snare for me. Um, but I don't fall for that because I obey your law. And then that very last verse is, he says, I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever to the end. So this is, this is the other truth about Scripture, because Scripture is, uh, if we read it, that's better than not reading it. But if we read it and don't do what it says, uh, that's, that's just terrible. Like, we, we don't do that because, again, we're accountable for what we do. Um, 
And so the psalmist does this, and this is uh, the next blank. The psalmist's heart followed his actions. That's how it works for us. And again, this is counterintuitive because our culture would tell us, hey, like, you need to like, change your heart and want to do something, and then you do it. And this is why sometimes you'll, you'll hear of people, you'll talk to people, or you'll see uh, you know, celebrity divorces uh, where it's like, hey, I actually, uh, you know, we just kind of fell out of love. And uh, I realized that I just don't love this person anymore. And, and we, we get taught sometimes just by, by so many different things in our culture, in media, in stories, in movies, that like wherever our heart is, that that's where our actions are going to follow, that, that we follow our heart. And that's just dangerous. And that's not the way Jesus says to do it. That's not the way the psalmist did it. Instead, he says, hey, we change our actions and our heart follows Jesus says it this way in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, 19 through 20. He says, Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. So, so far, I mean, we're all, all on board with this, right? Jesus says, okay, lay up treasures that are eternal. Don't do things that only last for this lifetime. Like, don't lay up treasures that are going to not stay with you when you die. Jesus says, instead, pick eternal things. But then the last verse he says is this. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Wherever you put your treasure at, that's where your heart's going to follow. And the psalmist, he was the same way. He's like, God, I obey your word, and I'm going to incline my heart after that. And God's word is true all the time. God's word calls us to obedience And if we obey, our heart is going to follow. Wherever we put our investment and our treasure, our heart is going to follow that. That's why one of the best pieces of advice for someone who's married, when they're like, you know, look at my spouse now, I just don't feel like I love him anymore. One of the best things you can do is act as if you did. Because you you made a commitment to love your spouse, so act as if you loved your spouse unconditionally. And and this is a, a scriptural truth that's also proved in statistics that if you act as if you love your spouse, that you're going to find yourself loving your spouse and your heart is going to follow that. That in the world's terms, they would say, well, I fell back in love. The truth is, love is a choice. You don't fall into it and out of it. But if you act in a loving way, then your heart is going to follow that. And so Tim Keller, he writes a book on marriage just called The Meaning of Marriage. But he writes, one of the interesting truths is that if there are people who are incredibly unhappy in their marriage, that if they will just stick with it for five years, if they'll just commit and say, hey, like no matter how bad it gets, we're not giving up. We're going to stick with it. Within five years, their marriage goes from unhappy to happy. And so he's got all the statistics of that. But I think that's just a cool way that we can see the way that the heart follows the actions. And that's the way God, God's word works. We, wherever our treasure is, our heart is going to follow that. So if you're here today and you're having trouble following some of God's word, or you say, hey, I get that this is God's truth, but, but I, just don't, I just don't like that. Man, just obey. Act as if God's truth is absolutely true because it is. Obey. Do what God calls us to do. Be who God calls us to be. And you're going to be amazed at how quickly your heart follows that. This is the last blank. My love for God's word and its impact on my life 
will grow to the degree that I allow it to permeate and work in my life. Let me read that one more time. My love for God's Word and its impact on my life will grow to the degree that I allow it to permeate and work in my life. So again, God's Word, absolutely true. God's Word can impact my life, not because the the Bible changes my life, Jesus changes my life, but the Bible reveals Jesus to me. And this book, the words of this book, and the God that this book points to will change my life to the degree that I allow it to work on my life. James 1.22 says this, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving ourselves. So as we're wrapping up today, I want us to uh, just have the foundation of Scripture. Because everything that we do here at First Christian Church, we try to be based, biblically based and biblically founded. As we're getting ready to jump through a bunch of questions in the You Asked For It series, we, we start those questions with the presupposition and the belief that God's Word is God's inspired Word that points to both the God that we worship and to who it is that He calls us to be and to His Son, Jesus. So we start with that foundation. So as we're wrapping up today, just a couple questions I want to ask you is, is one what level is God's Word working in your life? And I would guess, and I would hope that for most of us, we would answer at whatever level it is that we would want it to be working even more. And I want to encourage you just for 2021. Now let's make this a year where at whatever level we're digging into God's Word, let's just take that up one step. You know, maybe you're here today and you're like, you know what, I have a Bible on my shelf and uh, I open it every Christmas and Easter, and uh, every once in a while, once or twice in between. If that's you, just jump into the next step. If that's you, don't sit down today and be like, man, I'm going to read a chapter a day for the next 100 days straight. Instead, just do this. Just make a goal to read Scripture four days a week. And just say, you know what, I'm going to start reading the Bible. I'm going to crack it open at least once a day. I'm going to do that at least four days a week. Uh, one of the things I do is I use a Bible app. Uh, there's an app called YouVersion uh, that I really like. I like it for a couple reasons. Uh, and if you have a smartphone, uh, you can just find it on the App Store. If you're not sure how to do that, talk to Colin or talk to me. I might send you to Colin, but we can help you get it downloaded. Um, but one of the reasons I like it is that I can pull up and it has a bunch of reading plans. Uh, they just send me something to read every day if I want to do that. Or the other thing I like about it is it will read Scripture to me. And so if I'm driving, sometimes I'll just pull up a chapter and I'll hit play and I'll just let it read to me while I drive. And uh, sometimes that, that's a way of, while just I'm driving, that I, I can be getting God's Word. Um, so if you, if you don't have a habit of being in God's Word on a consistent basis, then make 2021 the year that that starts. And if you need a reading plan or you want to know where to start, come talk to me. If you're totally new to Scripture, just start in the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John talks about Jesus. Start reading that. You know, maybe you're someone where you read Scripture and where Scripture plays a big part in your life. Just what would be the next step for you? Maybe you're someone where you read the Bible maybe a couple days a week. I just want to challenge you, make that every day. Let's get to the point where I'm in God's Word all the time. Maybe I'm someone who's pretty familiar with the New Testament and I love reading the Gospels, love reading about Jesus. Man, jump back. Start reading the minor prophets in the Old Testament. You know, go read the book of Psalms. Read Proverbs for wisdom. 
Uh, one of the things that, that you can do that's pretty easy with scriptures, Proverbs has 31 chapters. Uh, so different years, some of the things that I'll do is I'll just read whatever day of the month it is, I'll read that corresponding chapter in Proverbs. So today's January 17th, it would just be Proverbs 17. And uh, that's an easy way just to get practical wisdom, where if you do that for a year, you'll have read most of Proverbs 12 times. And uh, man, that's just good practical wisdom. Because life is not always easy. Life a lot of times throws us situations that are not as black and white as, should I kill this guy or not? It's a lot more complicated than that sometimes. That doesn't mean that God doesn't have principles in His Word that we can find to guide us through each of those situations. But it does mean that I might have to dig in a little more and be a little more familiar. And we talk a lot about how Jesus saves us through grace about how the foundation of being a Christian is, is just to understand that I'm lost without God's Son. But if I don't know Scripture, I don't know that story, I don't know why that's true. So let's let 2021 be a year of just God's Word forming us. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray for us in a second. I think after that, Ron's going to come up and lead us through communion. And I just want to ask you, if you're here today, and you want to dig into God's Word, um, Man, two things. One, make a plan and tell somebody about it. Because if we make a plan, there's more chance that we're actually going to do it. If we tell somebody about it and have a little accountability, that helps even more. If you're here today and you don't know where to get started or you want a plan or you want someone to hold you accountable, uh, if you come talk to me or if you just stay in your seat or if you make way over by the drums after service, we have folks who'd love to talk with you and can make sure that you get followed up with. Um, you know, if you're here today and you've been hearing us preach for a little while, and you're thinking, you know what, I get that God's Word is forming, um, but I have this area in my life, I'm just not quite ready to turn over to Him, or I have this situation, and I'd love to do some reading in Scripture and kind of dig in and see what principles might apply to this, but I don't even know where to start. Again, we have so many godly women, godly men here, um, most of whom have been through situations that you might be going through or something similar, and we'd love to talk with you about maybe where to start digging in at. So if you have questions, don't leave today without talking to somebody. If you have questions about the Bible, about life, put them up on the board so that we can answer them. Let me pray for us, and I'm going to have Ron come up. Jesus, thank you for your word. Man, thank you for giving us uh, this book um, that provides uh, just knowledge of you, and uh, not, not just knowledge of you, but, uh, but a guide to being in a relationship with you. Jesus, I pray that we would be a group, a family of believers who this year are just formed more and more by Scripture. Jesus, I pray that, uh, that your word would just be working on us, that in areas it needs to convict us, it would convict us, that we would have the courage to respond when that happens. Jesus, I pray that, that we would be a church family who continually circles back to your word and understands that your word is your revealed truth to us, and that this is where we can find our answers, and this is where we can find you and the principles that you call us to live by. Jesus, for those of us here today who are just wrestling through things in our life, I pray that you would, you would direct us to the scriptures that we need to read, to the call that you have for us in our life. Jesus, we love you. We know that you love us more. It's in your name we pray. Amen.